Hello and welcome to All Things Disability, a podcast from Northeast Arc. I'm Joanne Simons, the President and CEO of Northeast Arc. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Stephanie Bonapane. Members of our Northeast Arc community are likely very familiar with Stephanie and her daughter, Felicity. If you're not familiar with this family, I'm really excited for you to learn today about their journey. The greatest lessons that I have learned is just seeing your child for who they are and what they can do. There will be challenges and it will be hard and it's going to be so beautiful and so fulfilling. I I love this idea of duality, like both things will and can exist and it will be okay. In 2017, Felicity was born with Down syndrome, and since then she had, has received early intervention and other services from Northeast Arc. We were honored to have her model as part of our inclusive fashion show during our 2019 Evening of Changing Lives Gala. Stephanie has worked both personally and professionally to support individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities with a focus on the healing power of the arts and movement. Stephanie has a master's degree from Leslie University in dance movement therapy and as a certified yoga instructor with training for both children and adults. Stephanie has developed therapeutic relationships with people of many ages, backgrounds, and levels of need. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Joanne. I'm honored to be here today and to be a part of this wonderful podcast. I think it's such a great thing for the community um, and so excited to be here with you today. Well, in addition to Felicity having been a model for us, she's actually a permanent part of our uh, PR and we'll see her on many posters and if you come to the uh, Liberty Tree Mall in Danvers, you'll see her on a large wonderful poster and we're excited that uh, we can learn more about your journey today. So Stephanie, I want to start with something we both have in common. Being the mothers of children with Down syndrome. As you know, Jonathan was born with Down syndrome more than 40 years ago. It's a story I've told many times, but I want our listeners to hear your story. Tell us how you felt when you learned about Felicity's diagnosis. Yes, well, uh, thank you, Joanne, um, for sharing your story and your journey with Jonathan has been such an inspiration for me and get part of the reason why I'm able to sit here today and share my story. So thank you. Um, I will never forget the moment we first knew something unexpected was happening with our pregnancy. It was one of our first prenatal appointments. We had an ultrasound and they found something abnormal on the ultrasound. And it's still um, is baffling to me that in 2016, um, the doctor who talked us through the ultrasound was so ominous and had a terrible delivery of, of information. And he said, there's fluid behind your baby's neck, and this could be an indicator of a chromosomal disorder. And I, I, ha- I have to tell you, your, your baby could have little to no quality of life, and you're going to have to make some very difficult decisions. So I think our mouths dropped open, my heart dropped into my stomach, and you know, shock and fear were our initial emotions. Um, it was very scary, and 
just the fear of is our baby going to be okay? Is she going to be healthy? Um, but thankfully, we we quickly shifted our treatment to Mass General Hospital, and we were connected to um, wonderful care there. And Paul and I knew this was our baby, and we were going to do everything to protect her and keep her safe. So we did genetic testing, and that confirmed um, trisomy 21, Down syndrome. And that's when everything shifted. We still had fear, and we were still shocked. But now we had hope, and um, we were connected to the Down syndrome clinic at Mass General. And Dr. Scocko, he's such a, a rock star, and he immediately told us how wrong that doctor was and that our daughter was going to have a tremendous quality of life. And here's why. Um, and, you know, Paul and I are from Swampscott and go big blue, Joanne. We were, uh, you're also from Swampscott and we were connected with you. And Paul remembered being in high school with Jonathan and he was in school with him and he was participating. And so now we're seeing, oh, this is, this is not scary. Um, we started to be connected to the Massachusetts Down Syndrome Congress. And I had a first call with another parent, Leah, and she was very honest and shared her story of her daughter. And everything started to take on a new light. And we started to become very hopeful and excited about Felicity and our journey. You know, um, I wonder if, as someone with a background in mental health counseling and working with children with disabilities, did you think that maybe helped you become more prepared than other parents uh, facing a prenatal diagnosis? You know, I think it's hard for for any parent to be prepared for having a child with a disability because it's such a unique experience, and I, in many ways, was very unprepared to have a child with Down syndrome because I hadn't lived it. I didn't know what it was really going to be like. Um, so I, I do want to honor that piece. Um, it's hard to prepare for the unknown. Um, but I will say I have never been more sure of why I have the background and the training that I do. And Felicity is making that very clear, um, that my skills and my training in dance movement therapy and in yoga have helped me to understand Felicity in some really unique ways and to really meet her where she is to support her growth and development. Uh, and it has provided me with so many opportunities to create these rituals and routines with Felicity um, to help her grow and develop. Um, and it's been such a, a joy and a gift to see it all, like everything I've melded together and being her mom and seeing how Felicity has taken it and has is just is thriving. And um, it's really exciting to see how, how we work together and discover this together. And the beauty and positive parts of social media is I get to share with the world Felicity's accomplishments. And I love watching her affirm tell us about the affirmation that you um, have created for her because I just wish that uh, more families 
could benefit by that? Yes. Yeah, so this is um, one of the first things I actually did with Felicity was teaching her about, I call it her power. Um, and I show her, you know, your, your power is in your heart and in your belly. And when you feel your power, you can do anything. And it's something that just came naturally to her and to I. And because I believe that Felicity has that power inside of her. And if she does believe in herself, she can do anything. And so it became just such a ritual. We do it every day. And so she does it naturally. Um, you know, I taught her in moments of fear, if you're afraid to do something, if you don't know how to do something, where's your power? And she will immediately just put her hand on her heart and her belly and take a breath and say, I can do it. And then she does it in her own way. Um, and part of it is I have to do that for myself and I have to model for Felicity. A mom does this too. I feel my power and I can do anything if I believe in myself. And so for, for parents and caregivers, um, showing that to your children, that that's what teaches them. Um, and, she, and she gets it, she really gets it. Yes, yeah, she certainly does. I mentioned that Felicity received early intervention services from the Northeast Arc. Were there other supports? I think you mentioned, you know, uh, the Massachusetts Down Syndrome Congress and the uh, Down Syndrome Program at MGH. Are there other things that you found most beneficial? Are the services or do we cover them all? Yes. Well, um, you know, first, I don't know what we would have done without Northeast Arc and her early intervention team. What an invaluable resource for for us and for families um, with children with disabilities. Um, Ashley and Julie were her, her the people who came into our home. And to have so many people working for the common goal of your child's growth and development and everyone wanting her to succeed um, was such a gift for Paul and I for our family and helped Felicity tremendously. And, um, you know, Northeast Arc also connected us to um, the Children's Center for Communication, and Felicity did a wonderful signing group there, which we would not have known about um, without her early intervention team. Um, we were connected with the Federation of Children with Special Needs, and if you're a parent with a child with a disability, connect with them because they have so many resources that we did not know about, and they're so helpful. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the Down Syndrome Clinic at Mass General, Dr. Scotco, if you don't know him, know him. He's really wonderful. Um, and they give Felicity such great care, but also provide us with all the tools we need. Um, and the MDSC, the Massachusetts Down Syndrome Congress, Sarah Cullen is like an angel there. And what they do for families, um, they have family socials where you can meet other families with children with, with Down syndrome. And I actually just recently used them. They have a, a center for inclusive education. And, you know, I called up and talked to another parent about this transition from preschool to kindergarten. Um, and it's just such a vibrant, wonderful community. Um, and it will take you to other places too. I can't believe that Felicity is going to kindergarten. That is so exciting. Um, I know that sometimes we, you know, publicly as parents 
you know, we talk about all the wonderful things and the accomplishments that our children have, and sometimes we don't really think about the challenges as much. But I was wondering if you and Paul have faced any challenges that you might want to share. Yeah, we have faced a lot of challenges um, as parents with a child with a disability. And a lot of it has just been navigating the unexpected. And, um, you know, Felicity has had medical challenges. Um, We briefly talked about when she was six months old, she was diagnosed with infantile spasms, which are seizures for a baby. And it was a pause in her development. And it was such a scary time because we knew Felicity already had, um, you know, challenges with her development. And now there was another um, challenge for her. And uh, she had to go through steroid treatments. And we didn't know the outcome. We didn't know what would happen. Um, so that was that was a very scary challenge for us. Um, you know, thankfully, she's okay. And it was okay. Um, we really had to lean into our community to handle that. We had to lean into her doctors, um, the specialists. We had to lean into the community to to help us um, get through that. And thank God we had such wonderful care and, and, and community. Um, and then in another sense, now, I think the challenge is seeing this developmental gap um, with Felicity and her peers. So as she gets older and she's in school, that gap becomes a little more evident. And just recently we were at a playground and, um, you know, Felicity is more of an observer and she plays, but she plays more alongside while her peers are very much in their play together and they are just all over the playground. And that's more of a challenge for Felicity, you know, physically navigating a playground. And as a parent watching, it's so hard not to <laughs> want to intervene and, um, you know, show her what to do. Um, so I think a big challenge as a parent is just knowing this is Felicity's way of being in the world and we can help support her and give her skills. Um, but really, this is how she's going to learn and grow um, and trusting that will be okay. Wow, you just uh, reminded me of a time in Jonathan's life when he would uh, be at a basketball clinic for a basketball league for little little children or small boys and he would be on the side watching the basketball game and he couldn't join in and then I realized that actually what he was doing was he was taking in all the rules and observing it and three or four weeks later he actually had the confidence then to join it after having seen um, as as an observer, but he was an active learner, and so I think of Felicity as she's go- she's learning how to participate. Exactly, that's just it. Um, on the flip side, um, I know there's been great moments of um, celebration, and you are, and Felicity and Paul are blessed with an incredible supportive family who you know are cheering you on at each each step that you take together on this journey. And so that may be one of the greatest uh, successes that Felicity has is having the family that she has surrounding her. But what are some of the moments of celebration for you and your family? Yeah, I think that that is one of our biggest, just having the outpouring of love and support from the moment we found out Felicity had Down syndrome. Um, we've only received 
you know, support and love and acceptance. Um, and that's such a wonderful thing to celebrate. Um, one of the first things that comes to mind is um, when Felicity had her spasms, she stopped smiling. Um, and I think one of our biggest wins and successes is when her smile came back when she recovered. Um, it was such a beautiful moment to see her smile. Um, it seems like a little thing, but it was the most powerful, um, the most powerful. And having, you know, having a child with Down syndrome, I think has helped us celebrate. There's, there's nothing too small to celebrate. And so, you know, when Felicity started to stand on her own and gain that confidence to stand and then walking, I mean, that girl worked her butt off to learn how to walk. We had physical therapy at Spalding, which was wonderful. And everything her and I did together and Paul, um, you know, she started with a with a gait trainer and then she moved on to holding rails and taking steps. And then that first moment where she finally felt confident enough to, to walk on her own. Um, I mean, that that was such a celebration. Um, and she she works so hard. So I think anything Felicity does, we celebrate because we know how hard she's working um, and that things don't always come naturally to her. And seeing how it clicks and when she gets it, um, it's so beautiful to watch. Um, you're going to have lots of those yes. moments. <laughs> yes. So many, you know, every day. And I'm also just remembering, um, you know, when we collaborated with Northeast Arc for World Down Syndrome Day in the Swampscott Public Library, um, and we donated so many wonderful books and resources for the community to have. And we had like a we, uh, the stories and it was such a moment of celebration of community coming together that it's not just Paul and I and our family you know we want to share this with everyone um, so that was really that was a big success too well now Felicity has a baby sister well not so yes. baby anymore yes. <laughs> yes so that's another big one is so, um, expanding our family and watching Felicity be an older sister because that was very scary and I had a lot of um, fear of not being able to meet Felicity's needs and meet, you know, Michaela, our other baby's needs. And we're doing it. Felicity is such an incredible older sister. She is so loving. And I've seen how it helps both of them grow. Um, you know, Felicity is teaching her sister right now how, how to sign. And she'll go, Michaela, this is more. And she'll put her hands together. Michaela, this is how you say help. And um, it's just been so beautiful to, to watch their relationship and see Felicity take on a new role as as big sister. Oh, congratulations. Thank on you. Thank you. As I, we mentioned, we talked a little bit about how you focused on the benefits and ar of arts and movement. Um, tell us more about what it looks like and how you do this in a professional setting, and especially with Felicity and how you've shared it with other families. Yeah, the, um, the arts and movement in yoga, um, it really speaks to people of all ages and all abilities, and it gives people an opportunity for growth um, and has a positive impact on development. Um, I think the beautiful thing is when you're using arts and movement and yoga, it's a nonverbal form of communication, and 
that's how, why it speaks to to everyone, um, and it helps with support motor abilities and emotional regulation and self-expression. Most of my work has been with children, and so it's very playful and it's very creative, and that just meets a child where they are developmentally, and so that's what allows for the growth and um, I think why it's so successful. Um, you know, it's been incredible to do this with Felicity and it's been in the everyday with Felicity. So, um, you know, just thinking when she was little and we're learning how to communicate, her and I would just spend so much time in front of a mirror and making faces in the mirror and I would reflect what Felicity was doing back and she would copy what I was doing and it taught her about facial expression so you might not have the words but you can show communicate with your with your face and with your movement and we would dance and you know we dance in front of the mirror and she's mirroring me and um that I really think contributed to her ability to communicate because then we started to add sound and it was this very playful back and forth dance. And now, you know, Felicity is singing Beach Boy songs and, um, <laughs> you know, she loves music and she loves dance and she knows how to express her emotions um, in a way I don't know if she would have if I if we hadn't done um, used the creative arts and, and movement Um Another one is, um, you know, self-regulation, emotional regulation. I think it's with any, any young child, but especially with Down syndrome, it can be hard to regulate emotions. And um, using breath work and using the body. So most of the time, not every time, but most of the time, Felicity knows she, she'll take a deep breath and she really will. She'll, and she knows to do that. And... Um, Maybe it's squeezing her hands or stomping her feet when she's angry um, and teaching her that all her emotions and feelings are important, but how to express them in a in a useful way. Um, and that's I'm also thinking, you know, uh, those wonderful videos I was able to share with Northeast Arc during the pandemic of some of the things I have done with Felicity to help her growth. Um, we make a lot of things into songs, um, especially transitions. How do we get from one place to another? But getting dressed um, is one challenging thing for Felicity. And so I thought, okay, how, how do I make this playful and creative? And so we made up a song about, you know, you put your head through, that's what you do. And now she's, you know, dressing herself basically independently Um so it's it's looking for the everyday moments and adding some movement, some music, um, some breath work to create a ritual um, and have success. Have you thought about sharing these videos more broadly or doing more work in this area? Because they sound so transformational for a child. Yes. I I think that's my, my ultimate um, hope one day is that um, I, I find a way to share that on a more um, expansive level because I have seen how it has helped Felicity and I want to share that with other um, parents and caregivers um, because it, it is pretty, you know, simple. It's not, it's not complicated and anything that is not complicated is great for parents. Um, 
but I, I have seen how it's helped Felicity thrive in the world. Um, and so I'm excited to see, um, I don't know where, what it looks like, but I'm excited to see um, one day what, what, what we create together. I imagine that you're using some of the same uh, techniques with uh, your daughter, your new daughter. Yes. Um, yes. And that it really is beneficial to children. Yes. Because a lot we're seeing, especially during the pandemic, that a lot of children are having trouble self-regulating their emotions. Yes. Um, and I, I have been doing it with Michaela as well. Michaela is only 16 months old. And I'll say, Michaela, take a breath. And she'll go, ah, ah. And now she's doing it just on her own. So, um, and also with, with communication and language, um, there's this piece of learning the nonverbal communication that really supports verbal communication. Um, Michaela has so many words, um, and Felicity, they, they both do. And I think it's because that's how they started. They started communicated, communicating non-verbally and using music and movement and sign. And um, I do think there's something there, and there's, there's something transformative to share there. Well, we look forward to seeing where that goes. Um, we're focused on inclusion at the Northeast Stark, and I know that that's really important to you and Paul. And what are some of the ways that you're creating opportunities for Felicity for inclusion? Yeah, um, you know, Paul and I work very hard at this, at inclusion, and we have to, we do have to be diligent on understanding inclusion and looking for opportunities um, for inclusion. Um, you know, we, we are in this right now with with school and Felicity's education, um, you know, inclusion is a right, but it's not a guarantee. And we have to really understand, um, you know, special education, and we have to understand the laws to make sure Felicity gets her basic rights. Um, you know, we just did her, her IEP, which is an individualized education plan for anyone that doesn't know. And, um, you know, we're going through and on there, it, it was checked off partial inclusion. And Paul and I immediately <laughs> said, no, um, you know, it says right under, under um, you know, you, you take a child out of the classroom once everything else has been exhausted. And we felt that they were sort of preemptively saying Felicity can't do this. And we know um, the best way for Felicity to learn is in the classroom and that full inclusion is, is where every child should start, and full inclusion is where Felicity was going to start. Um, and then you adjust and you adapt once Felicity shows us what she can do or what she might need more supports with. And so we kind of pulled that clause out and said, no, you know, we haven't exhausted every intervention. Felicity will start in the classroom, um, and then we'll see and see what she can do. And while they did not agree with our decision, um, they they changed it. And so now Felicity will start kindergarten, full inclusion in her classroom. And, you know, I know it's hard, especially for educators um, with limited resources. And it's just hard being a, a teacher right now. Um, but I think some of the old ways um, we need to we need to change and 
Um, I can speak just to the Down syndrome community because that's the community we are in. Research is showing that children with Down syndrome learn best in the classroom with their peers. And so that's what we will, you know, we will make sure that's where Felicity is. Um, I really, I like the word integration because for me and for Paul, that's what inclusion is, that she's not just going to be there. Felicity will be integrated in her learning environment and integrated in her social interactions and whatever sports or hobbies. um, We want her fully in it and we want we want things to be adapted for the way she learns. Um, and I know it's hard to do that for every child, but if we could take on um, inclusion in that lens, like look at the whole child and then open things up for how they learn, um, I think everyone benefits. Um, a child without a disability learns how to connect and how to be with someone with a different ability and it teaches them so much and then the child with the disability you know they learn through mirroring and observation and so really everyone wins and um, I think inclusion is going to be a big thing for our family and teaching ourselves and teaching others what that can look like and how beneficial it really is. Well you're exactly right you start with full inclusion and you see where Felicity leads you and hopefully it will continue to lead her on a life of inclusion it's remarkable to me that we still have educators that decades after we've been able to show with research that children with disabilities learn best when they have access to regular curriculum, parents are still having to, to fight for it. Um, do you think about Felicity's future? I know that that's sometimes hard to do and sometimes it's nice to look about a year or two ahead, but do you have to happen to think about the future and what inclusion might look like and what your dreams and goals might be for her? Yes. Um, for Felicity, I think our biggest goal, and it, it's now and it's in the future, is that she is an active, engaged, appreciated participant in her community and whatever setting she is in, um, that she is seen for the incredible individual that she is and um, that she can share her gifts with the world. Um, that that is our, our our goal for Felicity. And, um, you know, we asked Felicity, what do you want to be when you grow up? And lately she's been saying, I want to be a teacher and mama dada will help me. And yeah, you know, why can't Felicity teach in whatever capacity um, that might look like? I'm, I'm so grateful for, you know, Northeast Arc and um, the work, Joanne, that you're doing with, um, you know, Breaking Grounds Cafe and and parcels and having opportunities for people with disabilities to share what they have and their talents with the world. Um, the possibilities are there if we can just take a different approach. And, um, you know, Felicity wants to be a teacher. We will help her. <laughs> we will help her do that. Um, she already is. She teaches me every single day. She teaches the people around her. Um, like I said, she's teaching her sister sign language, so she has it naturally and, um, you know, will help Felicity do what, whatever she wants to do in this world. No, di- no <laughs> doubt she will be successful with you uh, and Paul by her side. Do you have any advice for families who might be in a similar situation facing a diagnosis? Yes, um, that it's going to be 
okay. Um, it, I think one of the most, the greatest lessons that I have learned is just seeing your child um, and allowing your own experience and journey, um, you know, seeing your child for who they are and what they can do. There will be challenges and it will be hard and it's going to be so beautiful and so fulfilling. I, I love, you know, this idea of duality, like both things will and can exist um, and it will be okay. I would, I always recommend, you know, asking for help and getting support because it's there and there are so many people and so many resources out there to help you on your journey and you can feel like you are alone um, and and you're not alone um, the help and the support is there so reach out and lean in into the community and find out and discover what is there for you and your family um, and just to to, to breathe <laughs> to celebrate every every single little win and to really honor your your journey because um, it, it is a beautiful one thank you stephanie for joining us it's been a um honor to have you it's been remarkable to watch you and paul as parents you know go from a prenatal diagnosis to staunch advocates and now spreading your joy and hope with the world which is really how it, how we change the world. Uh, I think about the fight that you're having with inclusion and how I'm so, I'm so happy that you're fighting for that. Because if Jonathan hadn't been fully included in Swampscott High School, taking regular classes, being there, you and Paul might not have remembered you know, how a, a young person with Down syndrome could succeed and grow. And the access to the regular curriculum is where learning happens. And I know that uh, Felicity's going to have it, and Michaela will be her, one of her biggest cheerleaders. We want to thank Peabody TV for providing our wonderful recording space. And All Things Disability is made possible through the financial support of the Changing Lives Fund, which was created through a generous gift from Stephen Rosenthal. To learn more about Northeast Arc and to find past episodes of this podcast, please visit any-arc.org.